0: You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. The cheetah is undisputed king of speed, holding nature's land speed record for 10 million consecutive years. It reaches top speeds of 75 miles per hour. but its acceleration is what's truly impressive. It leaves most of the world's fastest supercars in its dust. The Ferrari, Lamborghini, or McLaren is no match. Zero to 60 in three seconds, or just three strides.
1: and welcome to the Varmints Podcast. Every week, we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. For the next few weeks, our fearless leader, Paul Chomo, is on a little bit of a sabbatical from the show, so in the meantime, the IndiePod community stepped in like bosses, and we have amazing guests for you to listen to. I am completely overwhelmed and grateful for the amount of encouragement, support, and love we've gotten from our community, and so is Paul. Let's get on with a learning about animals. I am Donna, and I am not an animal expert.
2: And I am Josh Hallmark, and I am not an animal expert either.
1: <laughs> well, how about that? <laughs> Let's go and learn about... <laughs> Let's go to learn about an animal in the news! So this was interesting, an African safari surprised visitor showed up to hang out with an American man, Britton Hayes, and his relative while they were observing wildlife in Tanzania. <laughs> <laughs> the man and his uncle were in an SUV when a passing cheetah jumped into the vehicle to say a quick hello before running off to chomp on a luncheon gazelle. Hayes said that they kept their eyes down and tried not to engage with the cat while it hung out for about 10 minutes, exploring the SUV. That's a very scary experience, but still, once in a lifetime, wouldn't you be thrilled? You'd be like terrified, but thrilled.
2: (laughs) Yes, I saw the fear in this man's eyes and I did not understand it because I would love to have a cheetah jump in my car.
1: Well, it would be scary because you would be worried that you you don't want to spook it and freak it out or anything. So just, I mean, cheetahs are not particularly aggressive. So, I mean, they're more likely to run away if they get scared. So it's, it's, I think I would have been scared for the animal, maybe not scared of the animal so much, but just... I, you know, I don't want to mess with it and hurt its life in any way or whatever. So, I would, but I would have been completely thrilled. That's true. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I mean, there is a small chance that they could attack you if they felt threatened, but I mean, they would probably just run away. So. Yeah,
2: as we've learned, and as you will learn, cheetahs are kind of the fraidy cats of the cat family.
1: Yeah, they kind of are. They kind of are. Have you ever encountered a cheetah in real life? Wake up close? Not like
2: out in the street, but uh in Napa, and anyone who knows me knows I'm a big fan of wine, there's a winery that is also a African safari, and you can stay in little tents in the savannah, and we stayed in a tent uh, adjacent to a cheetah exhibit, so we would wake up every morning and have coffee and watch the cheetahs hang out and chase birds, and they were just so cool to watch. Uh, their bodies are amazing, and they're so sweet and so gentle with each other. It was fun.
1: So they're like, it's a wildlife sanctuary and a winery? Yeah. That's amazing. I my, need to put the link to that in the show notes. Yeah,
2: it's my two favorite things combined.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. I actually met a cheetah in person at the San Diego Zoo. Oh, wow. And yeah, the zookeeper had a cheetah out there, and she's a kind of uh, educational animal. And she came out and had her dog buddy with her, which we'll talk about later in the show. And she was adorable and so cute. And I got to scratch her head and pet her head. And she was so sweet. I was just thrilled. (laughs) All right, let's get on with this show.
2: All right. Well, just a reminder to go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and even suggestions.
1: I run a Pinterest board, too, for every animal we talk about, and the link to that is always at the bottom of our show notes. We also now have merchandise! Just put varmints into the search engine at tpublic.com for all kinds of wonderful stuff, and you can get, like, bags and mugs and pillows and... Just about anything you went over there So go over there and check it out If you like our show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast We are everywhere that podcasts are found And word of mouth is the very best way to let us grow So let's hear from Carrie Carrie's going to talk to us
2: Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals I know you (laughs) want (laughs) to. All right.
1: The cheetah, which is, oh, I can't pronounce this. Is it Akanonix jubatus? I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce that. But it's a large cat of the subfamily Felinae that occurs in Southern, North, and East Africa, and a few localities in Iran. The species is IUCN Red listed as vulnerable, and it has suffered a substantial decline in its historic range in the 20th century due to habitat loss, poaching, illegal pet trade, conflict with humans. By 2016, the global cheetah population has been estimated at approximately 7,100 individuals in the wild, and several African countries have taken steps to improve the cheetah conservation measures that they have there. So, we'll see, but 7,100 isn't a lot, so... The cheetah is the fastest land animal, the only extant member of the genus Acinonyx. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. The cheetah was formally described by Johann Christian Daniel von Schriebe in <laughs> 1775. It is characterized by a snenda body, deep chest, spotted coat, small round head, black tear-like streaks on the face, long thin legs, and a long spotted tail. Its lightly built, slender form is in contrast with the robust build of big cats, making it more similar to cougars and things like that. The cheetah reaches nearly 70 to 90 centimeters, that's 28 to 35 inches at the shoulder, and weighs 21 to 72 kilograms, that's 46 to 159 pounds. And though it's taller than a leopard, it is notably smaller than the lion. Typically yellowish tan or rufous, which is, uh, I don't I have to talk about what rufous is. Rufous is a color that's described as reddish brown or brownish red, like rust or oxidized iron. So that's what that means, sort of rusty colored. And then they also come in sort of grayish white. The coat is uniformly covered with nearly 2,000 solid black spots amazing. (laughs) They are active mainly during the day. Hunting is their major activity. Cheetah are carnivores and they mainly prey upon antelopes and gazelles. They will stalk their prey to within 100 to 300 meters. That's about 330 to 980 feet. Charge toward it and kill it by tripping it during the chase and biting its throat to suffocate it to death. Cheetahs can reach speeds of 112 kilometers per hour. That's 70 miles per hour in America in short bursts. And this is disputed by more recent measurements, though. So we're probably going to have to we're, we're going to have to just sort of take it on advisement that that's going to be changing as people have better recording mechanisms. But the average speed they use is maybe around 40 miles an hour, 64 kilometers an hour. They are induced ovulators. That means they breed throughout the year. Gestation is nearly three months long, resulting in a litter of typically three to five cubs, and this number can vary from one to eight. Weaning occurs at six months, and siblings tend to stay together for some time. Cheetah cubs face higher mortality than most other mammals, especially in the Serengeti region. Cheetahs inhabit a variety of habitats, from dry forests to scrub forests and savannas, and because of their prowess at hunting, They were tamed and used to kill game at hunts in the past. And you can see this in, like, Assyrian friezes and things in in their ruins. You can see people with trained cheetahs running along with them beside the chariot as they're hunting and stuff. So, pretty amazing. Okay, the origin of the word cheetah is very interesting. Where would you think this word came from? Um...
2: You know, one would think Africa, but I'm going to say it is Greek.
1: No, it is Hindi. Oh. The most, most ancient word that we know that's associated with the word cheetah is the Hindi "sita," the Sanskrit sit, "sitraka," which I, can, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, which is a kind of leopard. So if you compare that to the Pali language sitaka, and then the prakrit language, sitaya. Um, that all pretty much sounds like cheetah, but yeah, it's from that part of the world. And I don't know why we use that word instead of, like, what, uh, what people in Africa would call it. I have no idea what the history of that is, but that's pretty interesting.
2: <laughs> well, I was reading that they used to be quite abundant in Asia, so perhaps that's where they first became part of the uh, world language.
1: Yeah, possibly so. Possibly so. Good call. Now, let's go ahead and talk about these animals.
2: So, Donna, will you lend me your ear for a minute?
1: I totally will. Oh, you have it. Well, I'm listening. I have
2: an abundance of information on the <laughs> cheetah's inner ear for you. So,
1: (laughs) I hear
3: that. (laughs) We
2: all know that cheetahs are the fastest land animals, as you previously mentioned. um, And that is largely attributed to their lean bodies and unique respiratory systems. However, another huge component in their ability to accurately move at such fast speeds is their inner ear. Hmm. Cheetahs have inner ears unlike any other mammal. Their inner ears are what facilitate their ability to maintain visual and postural st- stability while running at their very, very fast speeds, which some have said maybe up to 70 miles per hour. Others say that's debatable. I believe a really smart woman once said that we're soon going to have better instruments that will give us a clearer picture of how quickly they do move. Um, <laughs> but... In most vertebrates, the balance system contains three semicircular canals in the inner ear that contain fluid and hair sensory cells that detect movement of the head. And researchers very recently found that in cheetahs, these canals are significantly larger and have a much greater volume, which gives the cheetahs their ability to keep their gaze locked on prey while they're moving at such a high rate of speed. And it also makes cheetahs the only big cats that can turn in midair while sprinting. So that is very cool. We have all had Vertigo or known someone with Vertigo, and now we... Can better understand why the inner ear is so important to balance, particularly when you are running 70 miles per hour.
1: Yeah, for sure. But what does the inner ear and all of that have to do with the ability to keep your gaze focused on your prey item? What What's how is that connected? Well, I, I'm sure I'm missing something obvious, but how is how does that work? I
2: think because it's sensing head movement. Oh, so it's kind of connecting what. You, the cheetah's brain is seeing to its body movements and not really putting either out of whack. So it's kind of like like if you were walking across a balance beam, your inner ear is what helps you connect what you're walking towards to the movements in your body. Mm -hmm. And so the cheetah's inner ear canals are much larger, giving it a greater sense of stability while doing those two functions simultaneously.
1: Huh. Wow, that is... Amazing. Amazing! That is incredible. Incredible, incredible, incredible. And
2: now I'll let you have your ear back.
1: But <laughs> <Well>, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I thought I would talk about the evolutionary bottleneck that cheetahs went through roughly about 10,000 years ago. So this is pretty interesting. If you don't know what a population bottleneck is, that is a dramatic reduction in the size of a population due to environmental events. It creates a low level of genetic variation in the population, thus making the allelic frequencies nearly identical, right? Then they went through a population bottleneck about 10,000 years ago, as I said. So the reason that a population bottleneck drastically reduces the changes in genetic diversity is because... When that happens, all you have is the group that's around you, right? So at some point in Cheetah's history, we don't know what happened, but their population was reduced to a tiny amount of animals. So it was only like, you know, Cheetah Bob and his mom and his dad and sisters and whatever, right? So like everybody in the population was very closely related to each other to the point where they are so genetically similar to us or or they are so genetically similar to each other that they can any cheetah in the world can take a skin graft from any other cheetah in the world and there will be no rejection issues. That's how close they are genetically. So they ended up with a fairly decent set of genes that helped them through because often that sort of inbreeding can be pretty terrible but so they, they, they lucked out in the, in the genetic stakes because they ended up with a set of genes that are not that bad, even though they're not particularly diverse. So even with that sort of going on, they have never had trouble with being threatened until humans came into the picture. So it's not their genetic bottleneck that's actually threatening them. Their genetic diversity has become important now because of our intervention, because we're the ones that are interfering with how many of them there are and how much habitat they can have and stuff. So, yeah, it can it can be pretty – it's pretty interesting that that population reduction didn't bother them at all until we came along. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> yes. But they don't adapt well to environmental changes and they have trouble recovering from disease. So, you know, it's – it could really be a bad thing if 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 we don't do some pretty severe conservation measures to give them a little bit of room. So female cheetahs prefer to mate with multiple males, and the more mates of a female cheetah that she has, the more genetic variation there's going to be in her cubs, which is good. But if there's limited mates because of habitat loss, then that means there's going to be lack of diversity among a female's cubs. So that's a problem too. So this is where the idea of have you ever heard of the concept of cheater males within within animal populations that there are alpha males that that get to mate with everybody and then the males that are not the alphas that sneak around <laughs> <laughs> are called cheating cheating cheater males and it's an area of animal science that's pretty interesting to study because it tells you how much genetic diversity there really is and how much the alpha males actually get most of the babies, like how much, how many babies are the cheater males getting? And it depends on the species, but that's why it's interesting to study. So conservation biologists are interested in cheetah cheating (laughs) because it impacts their population level and their genetic variation. So there are some conservation biologists, and this is an article at Berkeley that I'll hook in the show notes say that there may be some reason to hope that their genetic variation will not drain away as quickly as it could. And these researchers are from the Zoological Society of London, and they have laid bare female cheetahs cheating hearts, they said. (laughs) (laughs) They found that not only do female cheetahs bear single litters with multiple fathers, but that those fathers are rarely near neighbors. So... They seem to mate with individuals from far-flung regions, and that means that the cubs' fathers are only distantly related to one another, and that's a good thing. The Furthermore, the female cheetahs don't even return to the same males year after year. Consecutive litters from the same mother all had different sets of fathers. So, in short their mating habits wind up getting genetic information from lots of different fathers into the next generation, and that helps variation. So if we can stop chewing away their habitat and just give her a chance, these ladies will get out there and make more (laughs) (laughs) cheetahs. I thought that was pretty interesting. (laughs) Because it's the cheater females, it's not the cheater males this time, right? (laughs) Which is so
2: funny. So my takeaways are inbreeding cheetahs getting around and cheater cheetahs aren't necessarily bad things. Yeah. (laughs) yep,
1: That's right. Well, you know. (laughs) It's nature.
2: (laughs) Don't try this at home, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Disclaimer time! The Vomits Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves. So... They're going to do it anyway.
1: So what do you think? How smart is the cheetah?
2: You know, I think big cats are pretty smart mammals, and I think they're very industrious. And, you know, I think, and again, as Chris said, we shouldn't anthropomorphize animals, but I think cheetahs have probably... I would say a six in intelligence, but I would say their EQ would be like a nine, because they're big, emotional, <laughs> fraidy cats who sense danger and uh, also
1: Run away. sense some heat
2: with those cheater cheetahs. So I would give them a six yeah. intelligence and a nine emotional intelligence.
1: Hmm. Well, I think if you're sticking... Ravens and stuff like that up at like 7, 8 and possibly even 9. We kind of we don't know. I think I feel like there's a really large gap between 9 and 10. Right? Yeah. So 10 is like I can make fire and the internet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so like below that you can do a lot of things, but you can't make the internet. I I don't think cheetahs are particularly problem-solving animals. They seem fairly straightforward. They know how to do their job super well. So I think I'd stick them around four or five, even though they're pretty trainable. They don't seem particularly problem-solving intelligent to me. So I feel like, meh, I'm going to put them a point or two below what you think. But with with your EQ, which this is the first time we've ever even talked about that, I would agree with you. Come on. These guys are the best. They are. <laughs> they are amazingly emotionally sensitive and I think that that is just a good measure of intelligence as any. So and why not? you never know.
2: <laughs> they could. There could have been like a cheetah summit where they had invented the internet and then they were like, you know what? This might ruin our social skills. Maybe we should just let, let the humans have it.
1: Yeah, maybe they have more sense than we do. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well, There you go. All right, let's go ahead and have a commercial, and then we'll come on back and talk some pop culture.
4: This isn't just a new podcast. It's a community. Hi, I'm Hammond from Beyond the Playlist and Soundography. Are you or someone you care about struggling with addiction or currently in recovery? We are incredibly excited to be launching the Climb Out to Sobriety podcast. This weekly show will give you personal stories of inspiration, tools to help you continue on your sober living path, no matter where you are in the process, and information from therapists that have been working in the field for over 20 years. Our goal is to create an online sober living community with the support you want, the tools you need, and the inspiration to keep moving forward at your toughest moments. Climb Out to Sobriety launches this week. Check out our show and our website at climboutnetwork.com. We are excited to have you become part of our community and share your stories to help others succeed. ClimbOutNetwork.com Well, this here is animal rancher and expert at large, cotton shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild, but so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games.
1: so what you got what you got for pop culture all
2: right so this is a deep cut and I didn't realize it until I actually went back into the annals of my cartoon watching history but it was only on for one season and I guess that season just hit me hit me at the right age and it is the visionaries knights of the magical light the visionaries were princes uh, who became superheroes uh, essentially on the planet of Prismos, and they all had the ability to shapeshift into animals, and since I was and still am a giant animal nerd, this was my He-Man. I was obsessed with the visionaries, I was out on the playground trying to get kids to play visionaries with me, they had no idea what I was talking about, it was a (laughs) tough time in my life, but my favorite of those, because I had also a strange obsession with speed, was Witterquick who was a prince of an unnamed city who had the cheetah totem and could turn into a cheetah and also had the power of light speed. And I was obsessed with Witterquick. And so having such a strong memory of the visionaries, I was shocked to see it was literally only on the air for three months, (laughs) but (laughs) wow, it was an impressionable three months for me. And I recommend everyone go give it a try because what better than an action cartoon that shares the importance of animals
1: oh for sure you know what i have no memory of this at all at all not even a little and that is really strange because i was a teenager in the 80s and i was glued to the tv all the time (laughs) so i don't know it was probably on at the same time as voltron but anyway (laughs) here's the visionary's opening theme for your ear (laughs) holes
4: It's a time when magic is more powerful than science and only those who control the magic control destiny they are the visionaries
2: That is comically 80s bad, but I stand by it.
1: (laughs) I love it, though. I love it, though. Only those who control the magic control destiny. (laughs) And the the song, the theme song is killing me. I love it.
2: (laughs) So... Why don't you be a visionary?
1: Knights of the Magical Light. I love it.
2: So everyone, give yourself 30 minutes of your day and go check out the first episode of The Visionaries. You will probably not regret it. For a short while,
1: <laughs> I will I will binge watch the entire uh, catalog of what there is, and then I'll get back to you. Perfect. And <laughs> we can we can obsess together. <laughs> well,
2: speaking of visionaries, why don't you tell me who you are sharing from the pop culture?
1: So we're gonna see a lady in the upcoming Wonder Woman movie, Wonder Woman two. We're gonna get familiar with Wonder Woman arch nemesis, <laughs> who is Barbara Ann Minerva the cheetah and it's going to be great because Kristen Wiig's going to play her and it's going to be fabulous. Can't wait. The cheetah is actually a character that's had many different iterations over the years and so we're not going to go super into the history because it would take way, way, way too long. But the character they're using in the movie is Barbara Ann Minerva. So Barbara Ann Minerva is a British archaeologist and she is born as the heiress of a vast fortune, of course, in an ancient family in Nottinghamshire. <laughs> she is ambitious, selfish, and severely neurotic. And she develops a passion for archaeology that eventually leads her to search out the tribe in Africa that utilize a female guardian with the powers of a cheetah. I'm sure this is a fictional group of people in Africa. <laughs> a band of marauders kills the guardian of most of what remained of her original expedition. And so, with the aid of a priest called Chuma, the caretaker of the ancient plant god Urzkartaga, takes her place after being told that she would gain immortality. Her powers are conferred to her by ingesting a combination of human blood blech, and the berries or leaves of Taga. So... Her transformations are part curse and part blessing, as she experiences severe pain and physical disability while in her human form and bloodthirsty euphoria while in her cat form. (laughs) (laughs) So she's been in a couple other comics as well, but she's mostly Wonder Woman. She comes into Wonder Woman's world when she discovers that Diana possesses the lasso of truth. And as an archaeologist, she covets the lasso, hoping to add it to her collection of historical items. She first attempts to do so through trickery, claiming that there is a matching ancient golden circle of Gaia of the same kind from which the lasso was fashioned. Unfortunately, though, the scheme proceeds far enough for her to hold the lasso and its magical power to make people tell the truth forces her to confess her true intentions. Uh-oh, <laughs> that was a plan that went wrong. <laughs> Diana profoundly is profoundly distraught that she turns out to be so twetuous and she takes the lasso back and returns home in a fit of pique. Minerva resorts to attacking the Amazon as the cheetah in order to rob her of the lasso. Their initial battle ends with inconclusive results as Diana's friend, Julie Capitellus, shoots the cheetah and forces her to retreat. So over the years, Barbara's interest in the lasso wanes and she becomes more interested in besting Diana in battle due to her bruised ego. We're gonna hear a little bit of smack talk right now between the cheetah and Wonder Woman.
3: What do you want, cheetah? To hurt you, Diana. What else? Ah! (laughs) That bracelet trick always impresses me. But at least I got to you
4: once.
1: So, there is a heck of a lot of information about the cheetah and I... uh, I completely encourage you guys to go and read about it for yourself. It's going to be super fun, and I can't wait. I love Wonder Woman. I'm really looking forward to Wonder Woman too.
2: I love the cheetah. I think she's a great villain. She's very sassy. I also think that's a compelling backstory. I'm excited to see what the people over at DC uh, do for Kristen Wiig.
1: Yeah, me too. And it does seem like a snarky, smarmy, perfect character for Kristen Wiig. It does.
2: Uh so hey are you going to eat that Hey Hey I know that guy <laughs> <laughs> Are you
1: going to eat that <laughs> Uh I I'm not going to eat that no
2: Yeah, I'll eat just about anything, but I put my foot down on eating cheetahs. Uh, A, they are a vulnerable species, and B, they're all, like, lean and muscular, and that doesn't sound like a very fun burger, so I'm going to pass.
1: Yeah, I just kind of think for the rules of how meat works, predators are not, they just can't be the tastiest thing. They've got hardly any fat on them most of the time, you
2: know? Exactly.
1: So... I think I would eat a gazelle or an antelope. So would a cheetah. (laughs) I have that in common with them. (laughs) Would you eat with a cheetah? Yes. (laughs) Only I would want mine cooked.
2: (laughs) cheetah dinner parties. I think that's going to be the next Brooklyn craze.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Aw, poor cheetahs. No, we wouldn't do that. He's dead joking. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our animal fact.
2: well hello paul and donna it's me billy lee campbell and i'm here to ask you a question is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is well let's help
3: you win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact
2: of the week back to you paul and donna All right, well, a group of cheetahs is called a coalition of cheetahs, and do you know much about fraternities?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Well, much like the American fraternity system, a coalition of cheetahs is generally all male, and it's just two to four, and they also have bromances. The the two to four cheetah males uh, will literally and figuratively uh, bro out with each other. They usually are brothers and they will tend to take care of, cuddle with, and groom one another, just like all your bromantic frat boyfriends. They do, they do. (laughs) Um, And They all hang out and drink way too much beer. Uh, But male cheetahs in a coalition are incredibly tender and caring with one another. And they generally hang out together for uh, the majority of a grown cheetah's grown lifespan. Much like frat boys. So cheetahs and frat boys, who knew? So much in common. So
1: that's interesting. I thought cheetahs were sort of solitary animals, but it turns out it's only the females that are solitary. Yeah, it's just
2: those lady cheetahs doing it for themselves.
1: Did you know that in zoo environments, they often pair cheetahs with dogs from birth and up? I
2: did know that, but I'm so excited to hear more.
1: Yeah. So I saw this first at the the San Diego Zoo, and that's what we're going to talk about. So... There's an article on Cesar, the guy that does the dog show, mm-hmm. the dog expert. He put a, he wrote a blog entry, or somebody that works for him wrote a blog entry <laughs> that's on his <laughs> website. So I'm going to just kind of basically read from it and, and, uh, and tell you what's going on with that. So when you look into the cheetah habitat in the San Diego Zoo, you'll see a cheetah and a dog. And that's not an accident. And the dog didn't sneak in there. (laughs) This is part of the zoo's animal ambassador program. The San Diego Zoo's animal ambassadors are a special group of animals that are trained to travel to off-site events and participate in presentations. And this is one of the animals that I encountered when I was there. These exotic zoo inhabitants live off the main exhibit zoo areas where they pal around with their domesticated buddies, and the program is paired animals such as Timberwolves with New Guinea singing dogs, and but they're most famous for their cheetah and dog pairings. So the science behind dog and cheetah pairing is something that the San Diego Zoo first began looking at about 30 years ago, when their zoologists began to notice the calming effects that dogs had on cheetahs. And about four years previously to to this little article, the zoo kicked off their first official pairing by introducing a shelter rescue dog, Hopper, to a three-month-old cheetah named Amara, and the two have been inseparable ever since. The pairing process occurs with the matching of a three-month-old cheetah and a six-month-old dog. They look for shelter dogs who have a good disposition and are naturally calm when selecting cheetah companions, and the first step is to very slowly make an introduction allowing the dog and the cheetah to look and smell each other through a partition in an adjacent habitat. And then they're given the opportunity for brief supervised visits where the handlers allow them to sniff and investigate each other. One of the zookeepers said, pretty soon when someone throws a ball, they both go after it, and then when the people go home for the night, the cheetah gets to cuddle up to his big ball of fur friend and use him like a pillow. And the dog keeps the cheetah calm and relaxed, and the cheetah provides a relationship Of companionship for the dog so it's a win-win situation and when I saw the animal ambassador the cheetah that I saw out there I don't know if it was Amara but it might have been but they said the zookeeper said at the time that she basically takes her cues on how safe things are from her buddy the dog as long as the dog is calm she's fine right And her friend was a big old Labrador, and he was just like, I'm a Labrador. Nothing bothers
2: me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So So she was completely calm and happy and just perfectly, you know, happy for people to come up and say hello to her and scratch her head and stuff. And she was super social all because of him because she's like, hey, if my buddy thinks everything's good, then it's probably fine. That's why they do
2: it. I love that and I am no stranger to a YouTube rabbit hole and on what such journey, on one such journey I stumbled upon the Metro Richmond Zoo which does the same thing and they have a what? cheetah named Kumbali and his best friend who is a labrador as well Kago and they have tons mm. of videos of them hanging out they share an enclosure but really cool is they take Kumbali and Keiko out into the zoo to meet other animals uh, including a red river hog and African penguins and the same thing the dog is always kind of the social leader and the, the cheetah will pick up on the dog's cues but the cutest video they have is when they're introduced to the African penguins. and. The dog is loving it, he's sniffing the penguins, they're playing, they're checking each other out, and the cheetah is like, I don't like this, and is like cowering in a corner afraid of the tiny little penguins, Aww. but it's just the cutest thing in the world, so everyone should check out the hmm. Metro Richmond Zoo on YouTube to uh, to spend a day watching Kumbali and Kago play and meet all the other animals at the zoo.
1: I wonder what the idea is behind having them meet some of the other animals. Did you ever find out
2: anything I about did not, that. but I would imagine it's just enrichment and also um, maybe just helping the mm-hmm. cheetah get to be a little more comfortable with her cheetah self.
1: Sure, sure. Sounds like it. Well, that is absolutely fabulous. Amazing. Alright, well, I'm going to go ahead and r- sadly wrap up our show. Really loved having you on and I'm so happy that you came to help us out, so thank you so much. I know Paul is going to be so happy when he hears this episode he is going to absolutely fly up to the sun he's going to be so happy his head, his head is going to come right off he's going to be so excited <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, well thank you so much for having me this was a blast uh, I have been I think tormenting Paul since I found out about varmints with my passion for animals and I'm glad I finally got to come hang out with you
1: We're really happy that you did as well. So, thank you so much. All right. Our show is uh, aided in technical support by Mr. Matthew Chomo. Our bed music is by Kevin McLeod. Our vocal talent is by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris the Toaf Green. And we also want to thank you, the Patreon supporter, for supporting us and helping us continue to be able to produce this show. And we want to especially thank our host, Josh Hallmark, this week. He has the... Our Americana podcast and the Karen and Ellen letters, as well as True Crime BS. Before we go, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your shows and where to find you?
2: Yeah, so Our Americana is a look at community in small town America. Each episode, I go to a different small town where a unique event or circumstance has impacted or cultivated community. And it's a really great way to look at social issues through a non-political lens. It's just a lovely, uh, nice warm hug from rural America, which I think is something we all need right now. And then the Karen and Ellen letters is a found comedic mystery involving three years worth of handwritten correspondence between two tenants and their landlord that takes you deep into a journey of mystery and cognitive dissonance. And I also do Playlist, which is a collaborative music podcast where all your favorite indie podcasters join me in varying roundtables to discuss our favorite songs within a particular theme of music. So breakup songs or covers or musical collaborations. It's a lot of fun. And True Crime BS is a serialized true crime podcast that I have been working on for two years. And if the FBI cooperates, it will be out in autumn of this year.
1: Ah, interesting.
2: Yeah, and I uh, do two pods a day which for 3 months out of the year introduces podcast listeners to two independent podcasts every day for a month. So, check that out at check all of that out at www.our-americana.com.
1: Yep, absolutely. Some quality stuff there. And I got to say for those of you who like podcasts, the big ones like on NPR and stuff, you should definitely check out Our Americana. It is absolutely the quality that you would hear on a public radio conglomerate. And so go there and then get into the rabbit hole of all the other shows, which you will definitely do after you're done with Our Americana. But yeah, great friend of the show. So happy to have you here. Let's go to the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat that's eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at podcast at gmail.com for details. We make it very easy for you and your rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. So now we're going to hear from Sammy, who is chief executive fish nerd Clay Grove's little girl. Let's take a listen.
0: All right. Sammy, how are you? Good. How old are you?
3: I'm eight years old.
0: And where are you from?
3: Conway, New Hampshire.
0: Sammy, what is a cheetah?
3: A cheetah is a cat. It's the only cat with non-retractable claws. And it has extra pads (gasps) on its feet. um, So it can turn and it won't slip.
0: Tell me what you know about them. Where do they live?
3: They mostly live in East Africa and also um, other parts of Africa. But um, I was learning (laughs) about East Africa, and I was learning about cheetahs too.
0: And and what do cheetahs eat?
3: Um, they eat rabbits. Um, they eat antelope, gazelle, and other like hopping creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cause I. Antelopes t- technically hop. <laughs> Gazelles technically hop.
0: And what do cheetahs look like?
3: Um, they've got long, skinny bodies, um, long legs, um, and a small head, a really small head. I don't know why it's just small. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and have you seen a cheetah in real life? No and uh would cheetah make a good meal? No. They're not in the food box.
3: Not for me, but um people used to um used to um make cheetahs um hunt for like them and not let them and then the person who was like making them hunt for them wouldn't let them eat, so that's why they hunted so much.
0: Alright, well thank you Sam. Is there anything else you want to tell us about cheetahs? Yes.
3: Um cheetahs have to like eat quickly because there are li- um lions and leopards that live with the cheetah and um there's at- she's um a cheetah is actually prey for a lion and a leopard.
0: Okay, and one more really important question. If you had a pet cheetah, what would you name it?
3: Um Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob the cheetah.
2: (laughs) Sammy really did her homework.
1: She totally did. We totally learned stuff. Amazing. (laughs) Sammy, you're the best. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. And until next time,
2: be nice to animals.
0: Do it.
4: You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.
1: Their initial battle, their battle, (laughs) battle, they had a battle. It was a really, really fierce battle.